coming up. The least popular organization in the world is going after the most popular. That's right, folks. Congress is coming for your magic bands. We'll talk with Rebecca Jeske from the Electronic Frontier Foundation about privacy concerns and what you should be aware of. Also this week, J.J. Abrams signs on to direct the next Star Wars film because J.J. Abrams is apparently going to direct everything. And Philip Glass is making another opera, this time about the death of Walt Disney. Maybe he can get J.J. Abrams to direct that, too. All that plus Roundtable Rapid Fire, directed by J.J. Abrams, coming up <laughs> on this edition of the Diz Unplugged. J.J. Abrams. This is the Diz Unplugged, episode number 566, for the week of January 30th, 2013. The Diz Unplugged is sponsored by Dreams Unlimited Travel, personalized concierge service for your next Disney vacation. Let Dreams handle all the details of your next visit to Disney, including dining reservations, recreation, fireworks cruises, special events, and more, all at no additional charge. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. Coming to you from the new and improved Bob Marley Studio in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Warner. Joined at the table this week by my good friends, John Magi, Kevin Close, and Kathy Whirling. Dustin West back on the controls. Uh, we do have a few things to talk about in housekeeping. Uh, first, we want to make sure you head out to our new blog, uh, blog.wdwinfo.com to check out our seven resorts in seven days feature. We visited seven different Disney resorts over the course of seven days, and we've added photos, videos, uh, photo, uh, photo galleries, blogs, even some food porn. So head over to blog.wwinfo.com and check that out. That is also where all new blogs are going to be added going forward. Uh, disunplugged.com, where the blogs used to be, has become the new home of the Disunplugged. And that's where you're going to find our show notes, and you'll be able to watch the live stream of the show starting next week, February 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you can't make it for the live shows, that's okay. They'll be available to watch on demand on our Diz YouTube channel. So be sure to head out there next week. We're very excited. We're kind of, you know, we're all ready. And, oh, yeah. We are. You know. Now, there's some concerns. People are, are concerned about the live shows, uh, about the taped shows, about the recordings. Do you want to clear up exactly what the plan is? So yeah. The shows are going to be broadcast live, as I said, 1 p.m. every Tuesday on disunplugged.com. They're uh, obviously going to be available on demand. You can go to disunplugged.com, watch them back there. Go to you, the YouTube channel, watch them back there. I know some people are concerned that uh, the audio shows are going to be negatively impacted uh, by us doing this. I want to just like kind of allay everybody's concerns about that, that the audio show is going to go up the way it always has. Uh, we, um, we've kind of structured these shows so that we are adding video elements for those who are watching. But if a show, if a particular segment, for example, relies heavily on video, we're not going to release that one on audio. And by, by contrast, if a particular show is really more suited to audio, we're not going to film it. We're not going to release it on video. So you're still going to get what you've always gotten from us. We've just kind of added this video component onto it. We're very conscious of the fact that there are going to be a lot of people that are just not going to be able to watch the show. Remember the man who listened in the salt mine? Right, room? exactly. I don't, I don't think that's going to be you know convenient for him to 
you know, although if he gets a little projector in the salt mine and, you know, <laughs> projects us onto the wall. It's 2013, dude. Yeah, really. Get with it. <laughs> get an iPad. <laughs> but, Jeez. you know, we're fully aware of that. And, you know, we're actually we're actually planning certain segments that are only for the audio, the audio show. And we're planning some segments that will be more suited to video. But, you know, uh, every show that we have done uh, this year uh, has been done the way we're going to do the video show. We actually, I mean, we're switching cameras. I mean, this, you know, the stuff showing up behind behind John on the, the the nice big monitor we have back there, the pictures, the videos, things like that. All that we've been doing it for the last several shows, and Correct. you guys would not really have known the difference other than there's been some changes in the format, the way we do the intro, and things like that. So, what you've been hearing is pretty much what you're going to keep hearing. Uh, I'd like to think the content's going to get better, that we're doing more on that. We're challenging ourselves to do more more content, be a little bit more creative with the segments that we do. Kathy's interpretive dance segments it's are phenomenal. They're phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Can't now, wait. Dustin and I have been brainstorming some ideas that if we can pull them off, they'll be, they'll be really cool. But, you know, so really, if you haven't seen much of a change in the show the past few weeks... It's been pretty much since the beginning of the year yeah. we've been mm-hmm. doing this setup. I mean, right now, you know, every week we are doing this show the way we're going to do it when we go live next week. So Dustin's back there switching cameras, bringing up lower thirds, uh, putting pictures up on the screen. What, is that? what does that mean, bringing up lower thirds? Lower thirds, like the one that's sitting under me right now. That's where it says, okay, like, For people who can't right. see that, there's uh, some writing under Pete's uh, our, the, oh. the video of our face. And now there's writing underneath uh, Kevin. It's like, you know, when you, the name comes up and their title and yeah. their Twitter address and things like that. That's My called the lower third. account. Yeah, the, his ATM well. pin number. So, you know, it's uh, really not going to change much for those of you who just prefer to listen audio. We're not forgetting about you. This is just something that we're doing in addition. And, uh, you know, we, I think the element of doing it live, unedited, kind of changes up the, the vibe a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you'll, be, you'll see changes like that. But in terms of the show itself... Now I'm not gonna. We're not gonna abandon our our listeners, um, and we're gonna try and serve up things that you know will be interesting and fun for the people who want to watch. And I think it's important for people to know that you know this is a a growth process for us. I mean, we're gonna learn as we go, yep. and things are gonna change and get tweaked. So don't you know watch the first one and go. Like, oh. for, well, I mean, for example, I put some new sound clips in the. Uh, in the prize matron last week and some people liked it and some people were like you know it's two morning radio i missed the ones of bob so i actually have a prop from there and i think we went and had an ice cream or something over at beaches and cream and then you kissed me <laughs> i think what helps too is this week we can hear them last week we couldn't hear them right yeah. so we would continue talking and you would play them so it was kind of like, now that we can hear what's going on, we can react to them as well. This is one of my favorites. Because I'm not a classy person. <laughs> oh, I can still hear that one. <laughs> so we're going to be adding more of those in, too. So, you know, you give us your feedback and tell us what you like, what you don't like. And, we'll, you know, we'll ignore it. We'll do what we want. We'll, you know, ignore the ones we don't like and, and, and take the ones we do like. But uh, we'll yeah, talk we'll, about you before the show. We will make adjustments. We will make adjustments to the show right. as it goes on. So, you know, no one panic. Um, we're not. Gonna... I don't think we're going to try to do specific sight gags. No one's going to try to do something silly. And no, we're conscious make... of the fact right. that a large percentage of our audience is listening, not watching. Correct. So, you know, obviously, you know, so we've we've thought about that. So, you know, just 
relax. And if you've been enjoying the show the last few weeks, that's pretty much with the exception of I think we have some really good uh, segments coming up next month um, that are a little bit different beyond what we normally do. And actually, we're doing something in this show, uh, doing an interview with someone that uh, not the way we would normally do it. But that's, you know, kind of being driven by the video process. You'll be able to hear the interview if you're not watching. But if you were, were watching this, you would be able to see the interview as well. So, you know, things like that. That's what we're aiming for. But we're taking everything into account with every idea we come up. How is that going to play on the audio version of the show? So. I think people are going to get a real kick out of seeing the studio. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pete's put a lot of work. A Pete of, and Dustin. A lot of money into. Pete uh, and Dustin. Dustin has done an enormous amount of work. All right, all right. Well, give him credit where credit's due. This whole thing, honestly, we wouldn't be doing any of this at all with the with the, this setup and this video if it wasn't for him. Looks this like an was, Apple store exploded. This was his. <laughs> this, you know, I told him I wanted to take the show video, and he was the one that came up with the the concept. And he has been he's been spending thirteen to fourteen hours a day here for the last three weeks helping get the studio together. So thank you for the compliment, but i got to make sure that... <laughs> well, I mean, also beyond the fact that we have a great deal of equipment and it's set up great and it's making us look good, I think, too, that you really went crazy with the decorations. I think mm-hmm. people are going to get a kick out of seeing the things you've collected and put up. And uh, we've got, I think, probably about, what did I say, about 20 more items? Oh, wow. Coming yeah, in. Something like that. Um, so Every time we come in here, there's something a, a little different. Yeah. yeah. Yep, and uh, gonna keep that's going to keep happening, and I'm going to keep getting stuff and uh, running stuff out. We also have some ideas with the studio uh, to raise some money for Give Kids the World, and uh, cool. come up with a really good one last week. But I have to think about it before I commit myself to it. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, that's uh, anybody who's concerned about the show changing radically because we're going to video. Like I said, the last few weeks, the shows we've been doing have been basically video shows. We're just not releasing them. We're testing everything out. So, but they've been done the way we're gonna we're gonna do them. So, all right. Next, we haven't uh, we haven't mentioned the Welcome Center in a while, but I do want to remind everybody uh, to stop by and visit the Disboards.com Welcome Center out in Cape Canaveral, Florida. It's located just a mile from the Disney Cruise Line Terminal, and you usually find Teresa, Rob, and Walter out there if you are a client of dreams unlimited travel they will have a special gift for you there and if you're not they will simply withdraw their love and support and mock you as you walk in the door uh you can follow the center on twitter at dis welcome center that's at dis welcome ctr and if you can't remember that just head over to the show notes page disunplugged.com and you'll find a link to that and everything else we discuss in the show who's in charge of the, that twitter account who's rob and Teresa? i think have been oh great <laughs> well you don't want walter doing it <laughs> <laughs> those are my choices <laughs> those are your options okay, yeah great um we, no i'm sure they do a great job there we also want to send a shout out to rick killingsworth who's the owner of uh, disneydining.com who has been auctioning off some of his uh, disney memorabilia to help us raise money for give kids the world want to say thank you for that Rick. Uh, also, we want to. Oh, why did my my housekeeping notes change? Uh, live show. <laughs> live show. Uh, also, want to remind everybody that April. Oh, hold on, I got to get my phone. Corey texted this to me, to, and I put it into my script, but uh, I uh, my script got messed up. 
So uh, the New Jersey Diz Meet happening the weekend of April 26th to the 28th in Bridgewater, New Jersey. The main gathering is going to be on the 27th. Uh, registration is $30 for adults, $15 for children. That includes your registration fees, hot buffet lunch, donation to give kids the world, and 10 tickets for door prizes if you register by March 1st. More information can be found on the thread on the Give Kids the World subforum of the podcast board at disboards.com. Uh, I'm going to be there for that meet, as well as some other members of the team. We're going to be doing a show from that location. So we absolutely want you to come out and help us raise some money for Give Kids the World. That's uh, the 26th through the 28th of April in Bridgewater, New Jersey. Head out to the boards, disboards.com. Go to the podcast forum, and you'll see a sub-forum under there, Give Kids the World Meets. And that's where you'll find uh, more specific information. Can I add a quick blurb to the end of that? Absolutely. The Northeast Dismeet is June 28th, 29th, and 30th this year, just so you can start your pre-planning. The third annual. The there third annual. Wow. And uh, you talk about, we'll, we'll be up there for that as well. And we're doing a show from there. And you want to talk about just uh, a great experience, a great job that these guys do. They sure do. Putting they? that they're putting meeting that together. All year round. They're meeting, yeah, they meet like as soon as the last one was over, they started planning and meeting again, mm-hmm. setting up the next one. So, you know, absolutely, absolutely appreciate just uh, some pre planning. And, uh, but they, they just, they, they throw such a great party. I mean, really, we had such a blast there in September and then the previous uh, July 4th weekend, mm-hmm. uh, the year before that. So, a lot of fun. So, couple of meets coming up to help us raise money for Give Kids the World as part of our Power of Ten promotion. We're uh, aiming to raise a million dollars for Give Kids the World. I believe we are over 100000 already. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep plugging at it until we get that million bucks. So this is some of the things people are doing. People are coming up with great ideas all the time for ways to raise money. Uh, you know, there's no idea too small, no amount too small to donate. And uh, we appreciate everybody's hard work and efforts helping us get uh, get money for a great, great organization. What else do we have in housekeeping? I would like to make a public service announcement. Oh, okay. There was just a recent. There was just recently a fire in Brazil, where mm. several hundred people have perished. And I read some interesting things that I thought. Well, this has nothing to do with our show. I think they're really helpful information. They said, if you're someplace where someone has introduced pyrotechnics indoor, indoors, drop what you're doing, stop what you're doing, and leave immediately. Yep. There's no safe way to do it. This mm-hmm. was exactly the scenario that happened at that club in Rhode Island right. a few years ago. And they thought they had managed it all. <clears throat> Just stop what you're doing and leave. There's nothing in there that's worth doing. The second thing they said is that most of the people who died were people who were trying to use the same entrance they came in. Because that was the only entrance there was. Well, there was others, I've read. And oh, the really? people who got out, got out via alternate entrances mm-hmm. or exits. And one of the things they do that I've done since I was a kid is when you go in someplace that you're not familiar with, you make sure you know where there's an alternate exit. I think it's because I'm not thrilled with huge crowds, but I think that's one of the things you should do. And I'm not saying you should be paranoid. I'm not saying, you know, you have to stand near the exit, but you should know where there's an alternate exit. The vast majority of people in fear and panic will try and go for the same entrance or entrance they exit they came in. Let me say that again. The same, they will try and exit through the same entrance. Correct. 
other times, yeah, I mean, it's also you don't know. If you don't know, right. you think that's the place you go into. Right, now. exactly. Right. So it's Be just aware one of those of surroundings. Things. We spend a lot of time as Disney fans in ta- inside large auditoriums. Take this with you anywhere. Make sure you know what the alternate exit is and what's one, which one's closest to where you're sitting. And again, if you see somebody doing something stupid, like shooting off pyrotechnics inside a building... Well, I was planning to use pyrotechnics for the live show. (laughs) Well, then we're all going to get up and walk away. So I just think it's one of those things... Sparklers on your nipples really doesn't count. (laughs) I just hope this would... I hope this information someday, if you ever need it, you remember Mm -hmm. it. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Anything else? No. All right. Then we're going to move over to Johnny with the news. All right, go ahead. <laughs> That's all the intro music right. you get. Congressman questions privacy of new Magic Plus program. I'm having trouble. Hang on a second. We've gone high tech. Sorry, We've gone guys. high tech here, guys. My apologies. Okay, here we go. A United States Congressman, Ed Markey, a Democrat from Massachusetts, sent a letter to Disney CEO Bob Iger about the privacy of Disney's new My Magic Plus wristbands. Disney's O program will give resort guests wristbands, which will be used as park tickets, room keys, fast passes, itineraries, and have credit card charging privileges, along with other uses. In his letter to Mr. Iger, Representative Markey asked for more information on just what Disney plans to do with the information, and with specific questions raised about privacy, security, the welfare of children who visit Disney theme parks. According to information already released by the Disney Company, their goal was to use uh, the use of these wristbands was to give theme park guests more interactive and seamless, exp- a more interactive and seamless experience. As an example, guests meeting Mickey Mouse while wearing the wristbands could personally greet, can be greeted by the character. According to Markey, who is co-chairman of the Congressional Bipartisan Privacy Caucus, quote, the bracelets could potentially have a harmful impact on our children, end quote. He wants Iger to address how guests' privacy will be secured, particularly that of our children. Oh, Iger addressed it, all right. His letter (laughs) states, quote, widespread use of Magic Bands bracelets by park guests could dramatically increase the personal data Disney can collect about its guests. Although kids would have the chance to meet Mickey Mouse, this moral meaning should not be manipulated through surreptitious use of children's personal information. Iger has been asked to respond to the letter by February 14th. Since I did this uh, report, we've uh, since have uh, Mr. Iger's response, and we'll be quoting that. Uh, and a spokesman from a Disney spokesperson said, quote, Magic, my Magic Plus is completely optional. Disney's privacy policies are fully transparent, and guests can choose whether or not to participate. Uh, Guests also control what information gets used and how the promotional information is used for uh, children. Uh, It's designed to make a Walt Disney World visit more personal, seamless, and customized, more customized than ever before. Um, The 
letter for the from the congressman is available pretty much anywhere if you want to read that and we have uh, can i read it can i read it <laughs> do you want to read uh mr Iger's response? i would love to read bob Iger's response excellent <clears throat> do you want to play our video first or do you want to do the, the response? well let's do this and then we're going to play our video we, okay, we talked to uh, rebecca jesky who's with the Electronic Frontier Foundation, <clears throat> this is an organization that handles a lot of online privacy and general privacy issues in the digital age, and we talked to her about this issue. But before that, um, let me read this response from Bob Iger, Congressman Markey. For 90 years, Disney has been synonymous with high-quality entertainment for families and children of all ages. We use creativity, innovation, and technology to create memorable moments and experiences for our hundreds of millions of customers and guests. As you well know, Disney's record and commitment to children's safety and security and the protection of their privacy is exemplary. People around the world trust Disney and its products. That trust is the cornerstone of our company, and we take it very seriously. We are offended by the ludicrous and utterly ill-informed assertion in your letter dated January 24, 2013, that would in any way haphazardly or recklessly introduce a program that manipulates children or wantonly puts their safety at risk. It is truly unfortunate and extremely disappointing that you chose to publicly attack us before taking the time to review our policies and or contact, contact us for information, which would have obviated the need for your letter. I love this line. Had you or your staff made the slightest effort, you would have found most of the answers to your questions already existed and were publicly available online. And he gives the URLs. In the enclosed attachment, we address the questions in your letter about our new yet-to-be-launched program, Magic, My Magic Plus. However, to ensure that you fully understand our practices as they pertain to children and our commitment to our guest privacy, let me be clear and reinstate the basic facts. My Magic Plus is a completely optional program that was designed with privacy controls from the outset. Disney does not use personal information to market to children under age 13, does not personalize or target advertisements to an individual child, and never shares children's personal information with any third party for their marketing purposes. Additionally, parents have full control over their child's participation in My Magic Plus. We have transparent privacy practices. Guests can control and limit the amount of information they provide to us and how their information is used. Further details are attached. Sincerely, Robert A. Iger. Now, when I first read this, I thought it was a hoax. I asked you specifically. Mm -hmm. I said, read this and tell me if you think this is real. And I read it and I said, there is no way, no way that the CEO of a Fortune 20 company sent this letter to a ranking member of Congress who is likely to become the man who will succeed John Kerry for a Senate seat now that John Kerry is going to be Secretary of State. <clears throat> And then I found out that it was the letter, because this was the letter I would send. <laughs> Maybe mine would be a little bit more colorful, but still, this is incendiary for to send to a, a, you know, a member of Congress. This is the letter you send to your secretary when she pisses you off. This is not what you send to a United States congressman. I agree with Bob Iger completely, and I think he's absolutely right. I was just stunned that this is the tone he would take. This is a man defending a billion-dollar... Mm -hmm. This is, but it also sounds to me like it's because they've been getting hit a lot from a lot of corners about the privacy issue, and it sounds like he's fed up. And he's taking a stand, and he's you know putting that line in the sand, 
enough. You know, we're going to defend this. We had this discussion yesterday after reading the original letter, and John and I had this discussion in the car. And I think a lot of the the doubt comes from the fact that this is one of those things that everybody told you never to do. Don't give people your social security number. Don't give people your personal information. And I think there's a lot of misinformation or lack of information on people's parts who are already making kind of snap judgments about this. Right, right. And, you know, uh, look, there is, and we talked to Rebecca Jeske about this in a moment, uh, there, are, there are real privacy concerns to be thought about when you're doing business with any company, oh, yeah. when you're doing business on the internet. Absolutely. I think you'll be surprised at what she tells you is one of the biggest risks. Yeah. But the, uh, the issue here with the My Magic Plus program, it's optional. You don't have to do it. Disney says they're going to make opting out and opting in very transparent. As long as they do that, if you choose to give this information, you should have the right to do that. And that doesn't make Disney bad. Disney doesn't sell this to third party, this information to third party companies. Uh, well, they don't sell the information they collect on children to third party companies for the purpose of marketing. They will sell your information. Right. But they also usually ask you if in anything mm-hmm. that you sign up for, is it okay if we share this, share your email address, your information with our third party partners? Um, so, uh, you know, Disney, in, in regards to this, from the beginning, I remember right after the uh, Digital Millennium uh, Copyright Act was passed, I think in 2000, 1999, 2000, um, they were, even then, were very careful about making sure everything they did conformed to the letter of the law. When the Children's Online uh, Privacy Act was passed, they were very, very careful in making sure they conformed to every to the letter of the law. At no point, well, I have definite issues with some of the business decisions Disney will make from time to time. Never have they done anything that has crossed the line, in my opinion, into nefarious. Now, I know it's, it's you know, among some circles, it's considered uh, commonplace, you know, big corporations are evil and, they're, you know, okay, you know, you can do that lament all you want, but... I don't think Disney's evil. I don't think Disney's ever behaved evil. I think this conversation is very similar to the one that went on when you had to put your finger on top of that machine. Okay, mm-hmm. but that I had a problem with. Well, <laughs> The fingerprinting I had a problem with because it was like, okay, why do you need my fingerprint to enter a theme park? Um, and that was during a time when, you know, the, the, the Department of Defense and the CIA were actively going to Disney saying, okay, how do you do all this? Because we want to know. And Disney was saying, we don't collect your fingerprint information. And then the guy who makes the software says, well, no, the software is not set up to collect fingerprint information. But there's one thing they can change where where it will. There's one simple change they could make where it will. But, you know, fingerprinting people as they go into a theme park is one thing. Because you're not being asked really. Well, I guess you have the option not to go into the park. Or show your ID. But we had, Kevin and I had this conversation at length. Um. It's funny how people have different thresholds. I'll give you an example. I bought a new phone. Got a new iPhone. When I bought the new phone, the guy said, do you want me to transfer your contacts over? I had a little bit of a hissy fit. I thought, okay, you're going to take the 
the stuff off and you're going to you could take my phone, hook it up to a machine, put my contacts on the new one. How do I know you're not pulling my contacts right. off? How do I know what you're doing with that? And it's kind of along those lines of I I have no problem with this thing that Disney's doing at all. As a matter of fact, I think I might be in the minority. I think this is a really good thing that eventually. No, actually, gonna, you're in the majority. I think a lot of people you, feel this I way. Really? I think there are some okay. some people that are worried about the privacy issues, but I think the vast majority of the people on our Facebook page and the majority of the but people on the in, boards are in favor of it. In general, there are other concerns about the wristbands and my Magic Plus and and theme park attendance. I think in general, this is an incredible program that's going to really help you. But so I think that there's. A, and just let me finish real quick. So I think everyone has their <clears> threshold <throat> of what they're willing to say is okay. Like, I don't want the guy taking my contacts off my phone, but I'm okay with Disney having knowing where I am. Yeah. There's a gentleman here in Orlando who's on the radio every day, Monday through Friday, and he ends his show. His tagline is, buy your books with cash because of Homeland, this Homeland Security oh, Act okay. that they track what books people buy, and the way they track them to you is if you buy them with your credit card. So it's one of those things that it all depends. The, the lady in the um, in the interview describes this much better than we ever could. So yeah. I think yeah. we, should we should let her do it. Yeah, we, we we spoke with Rebecca Jeske, who's the uh, director of media relations and a, a privacy rights analyst with the Electronic Frontier Foundation. We interviewed her earlier, and we're going to play that interview for you. Now. All right, we are joined right now by Rebecca Jeske, the media relations director and a digital rights analyst with the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Thanks for joining us, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Um, Before we get started, why don't you tell folks a little bit about the EFF and what it is you guys do? Sure. Um, We're a digital civil liberties group. We're interested in uh, making sure that the um, the rights that we have in the physical world go with us to our increasingly digital world. So we're interested in issues like free speech, privacy, and and innovation um, as our lives um, increasingly become integrated with technology. Okay, and that's definitely the uh, issue that we're 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 kind of dealing with right now uh, in regards to Disney and mm-hmm. uh, what they're planning to do with the uh, My Magic Plus. Uh, initiative. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, most major U.S. corporations now, especially doing business uh, in the digital world, are collecting more and more data mm-hmm. in order to tailor their marketing, uh, much like what Disney is doing right now. Uh, in your estimation, what kind of challenges is this creating where privacy is concerned? Challenges for users, you mean the people whose Correct. information is getting collected? Yeah, it's 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 an interesting problem. Um, our personal data is really extraordinarily valuable. That's why all these companies want it. Um, they want it because it's very important. And yet, um, they'll often say, "Well, we're doing this for your convenience," um, or you know, it doesn't really violate your privacy. Um, but this this data is very important, and it does um, communicate. Uh, really detailed information about our lives and how we go um, about our day. Um, and it's important to think through what you're getting in return and make sure it's worth it to you before you give it away. Well, the um, now if, but if people are being given clear information uh, about what's being collected and they're giving an easy, given an easy path to opt out of it, um, is it really an issue? Um, you know, the really important part is for you to understand what the data means. Um, you know, we often get these very long um, policies that say, "Here's what we're going to do," and that's that's what we can do. Um, opting out instead of uh, instead of opting in. Say, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's you know, it's one thing to say somebody collects A, B, and C about you, and it's quite another to know what they can do with that information. 
um, and to think through the risks. If someone is gathering all this information on you um, and it's being collected somewhere, you need to think about who gets access to that besides you and what are they going to do with it. Well, I know in, from the standpoint, I think, uh, of, of Disney fans in particular, like myself, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, we, we, we travel to Disney World, we, we consume pretty much, I mean, we're the lemmings in a lot of ways. I mean, we consume everything Disney puts out. I want them to offer me these tailored deals, and uh, I want them to offer me this stuff. Uh, and I think a lot of people do. Yet that's one of the reasons I find it interesting that so many in the community are starting to get nervous. These are people that are, you know, true blue Disney fans are starting to get nervous about these these uh, uh, magic bands and the amount of information that they're going to hold. Now, Disney says that the, the bands are only going to contain uh, a reference number that then, when they're read... Uh, correlate to Disney's databases, and that's where the, that's where the real information mm-hmm. is stored. Um, my concern lies more with the amount of information being collected on children. And, you know, not that children themselves are going to be opting in or opting out, but, you know, what... I, I think this is probably one of the areas where it's... The, the privacy issue is the most frightening, is the, the number of, of children that are interacting uh, online or with companies like Disney uh, mm-hmm. and how much of that information is being, is being collected. Uh, so I'm, that's one of my concerns is, is where, where, where does the line get drawn? Where should the line be drawn? And what, aren't, what are companies doing right now? I'm not, I'm not wording this right. I'm having trouble with this. That's all right. I mean, my, I guess my point of the uh, my perspective on this is that um, Disney collects this information anyway we're we're travel agents we deal with Disney we have to give Disney the information in order to make a reservation so they already have this information on the kids I don't know I don't understand where the fear is what is Disney going to do they already market to kids on television directly they market to kids you know now through uh, the products you buy and, and things like that. So I don't understand what the concern is that Disney might do. Maybe someone can help me understand that. So it's, I'd love to jump in here. It's, it's okay. the detail of it. I mean, it's one thing to say, we know you went to Disney on that day, and we know that your party may have purchased something in a particular place. Um, but when everything is in one spot, aggregated in the way that this makes it extraordinarily easy easy for it to aggregate, you get a really clear picture of what your family is doing throughout the day and what the kids are doing. And it's one thing to say, you know, okay, your kids like this ride, let's market that to them. Um, that when you put it together with all the other data that they're collecting, they're going to get very complete pictures of you. And maybe what happens? What happens once this is collected? And it's in one spot. Not only is Disney Disney marketing to you, but you need then you need to look through the privacy policy and figure out who they're selling it to, mm. who they're sharing it with. How how is this you know file that functionally they're going to create on you and your family going to propagate throughout other marketing companies? I have a question. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, no. I mean, Disney's a huge corporation. I mean, and you know, and I'm a Disney fan too. My dad retired from Disney, so you know, you know, we go there all the time. <laughs> um, but. You know, but if you're asking me whether I put this bracelet on on me or or like my nieces and nephews, the answer is no. Um, I, you know, the, the marketing companies know so much about us already. 
Disney knows so much about us already. Why would I serve it to them on a silver platter unless I know exactly what I'm getting out of it? I have a question. Uh, in the recent years, we've heard a couple of different times where companies have been, their systems have been hacked into and people's personal information has been given out. Yep. Does this sound like just another portal to that information for someone who really wanted to have it? You, you know, that, that, that's always an issue. I mean, that, you know, when you're, when you're talking about data being collected on you, whether it's by Disney or Facebook or Google or all these other companies that are collecting data from us in different ways, um, that, that one of the, one of the uh, dangers is that um, those companies might misuse it and someone at the company might misuse it. Someone might, you know, depending on their policies, might sell it and share it. Um, but the other problem is hackers. I mean, we hear these stories all the time about credit card numbers getting released, passwords getting released. Um, what if it is very detailed um, explanation that goes to to hackers about you know what your family does on vacation, you know every moment of the day? Um, they may be able to y- y- get your credit card number, or you know if so, if there's a stalking situation that suddenly becomes pretty. Um, pretty vulnerable. And that actually raises something else. I mean, if Disney's collecting this information, who else gets access to it? I mean, the police, if they have a warrant and suspect you of a crime, maybe that makes sense for them to get access to it. But could a former spouse get access to it in a custody battle? Um, Mm. Could your insurance company get access to it? Those are all, I think, interesting information and interesting questions because Mm. once you collect this information, you need to worry about, as I keep saying, who else is going to see it? Well, you also have the information that if you travel, for instance, if your company has a set vacation time each year, you now have a record that you're out of your house for the last four years, the first two weeks of October. Anybody that was using this information for nefarious reasons now knows that there's a good chance that you'll be out of your house the first two weeks in October. Well, I think, you know, I think there's always, I I think for any company, I don't care how big, I don't care how how much money is spent on their IT infrastructure, there is always that security risk. If some, you know, and we've always been told uh, as a company that lives in the online world, uh, if somebody wants to get in, they're going to get in uh, eventually. Uh, There's no foolproof way. Right. Of securing that information, and that does does raise raise use issues. But in terms of Disney and and what Disney will use it for, you know, as a as a person who owns a business that's online, um, there is a real, you know, there's a real challenge in in, in you know where the line is in mm-hmm. terms of your marketing and how you use the information you have available. Now, we as a company do not collect any personally identifiable information on the people who visit our websites. We know the IP address of the computer they're coming from, and we know what pages they visit and how long they spend there, basic analytics, but we have no person, we, we have no way of knowing who that individual is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here what you're talking about is, you know, you, you had mentioned Google. Mm-hmm. Um, it always kind of frightens me a little bit when I go visit a particular website and look at something. Let's say I go to Coach's website and I'm looking at bags or whatever. And then I go to CNN or some other website. And all of a sudden, there are all these ads for Coach. Right. That's right. Because they knew I was there. And they're tracking yeah. everything I'm doing. Right. And there, it, it is the kind of that, that big brother feel to it. That's yeah, a- I mean, you know, I think we've all had that experience of like, you know, I was searching for throw pillows once. And throw pillows haunted me on the Internet for weeks and weeks. Um, <laughs> 
and you know it's it's always really disconcerting and that's an example of the way that information can you know gets gets shared um you know we think that we're anonymous on the internet or we some many of us try to be but as the data gets aggregated it becomes much more dangerous you start to see patterns um as you all pointed out and you start to see when people break their patterns um and it's one of the things that um the 21st century is is giving us is it's this increased ability to gather more and more detailed information and put it in one place. Um, and you, and, and that's, um, you know, something that I try to do is just minimize those connections as much as I can. Well, I mean, one of the things I always thought too, and I've, I've heard this mentioned before, you know, anecdotally in different places that, because you, as, you, as you pointed out, this information is extremely valuable. So why not make them pay for it? You want this, you want to be able to track me? Fine. What are you going to give me? What are you going to give me? Well, and I I think that's a great point in that um, you know often people on the uh, on the web you know will say but if you won't let us serve you ads then we we can't make any money and you know and our comeback usually is like if this is if this is such a great deal for consumers to to get these deals pushed to them then why won't you let them opt in to having the deals pushed to them I mean there's definitely times in your life when you want people things marketed to you and I think Disney might be one of those situations in particular situations when I was in the market for a new car I did actually want to see car ads I was okay with that but um but we're, what we're not allowed to do is make these really granular decisions um and you know I, I you know these these bands haven't started up yet but I think you know the the best way for Disney to do it is to allow people to make granular decisions about what information they want to share and what they don't share and what they don't want to share and to know what they're going to get in return for it. What do you think some of the things people should be aware of as, uh, you know, these, they start rolling these bands out. Uh, allegedly there's going to be, uh, uh, opportunities online in order to, you know, the, first of all, the bands aren't mandatory. I want to make sure everybody right. understands that right. the bands are not mandatory. Uh, if you choose to get the bands, uh, according to Disney, you're going to be able to determine what information is shared on each member of your party and how much. What are some of the things in that process that you think people should be mindful of and looking for in terms of those terms and conditions, the fine print, so to speak? Well, I think that you should sit down and do a pretty clear inventory about what it is that you want. From this experience with the bands, um, I think one thing that I saw in, in reading about it that that was tempting um, is the idea that um, uh, that the characters might come up and greet your child by name and know it was their birthday. Hmm. You know I, that I I could you know that was one thing that I saw there was like wow I could see that 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 you know my nieces would really like that mm -hmm. right yeah, exactly <laughs> um, so I'd have to think long and hard about whether I was comfortable um, with letting um, Disney know that. Uh, you know the the birthday and the name, and I think I think I might do that. But but I think that's the the point is that you need to sit and figure out what it is that you want from the experience, and make sure that it you're that that it's worth it to you, um, and that and remember that everything that you give to Disney is think of it as a paper file, with each thing slid in there as a piece of paper, and who you who you are comfortable with seeing that file, and if you're okay with that file being passed around. Um, you know, I, you know, we make these kinds of decisions every day. Up in the San Francisco, I, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I have a um, a toll transponder, mm -hmm. you know, that pays my toll automatically. I'm not super comfortable with the toll transponder, I admit. But um, you know, and I wish that they had engineered it in a way that would make my privacy, um, that would protect my privacy more than it does. But 
the convenience is so much I just had to do it. <laughs> but but we should all struggle with these every day. You shouldn't mm-hmm. just do it automatically and just believe them when they say, oh, this is easier and better for you. You need to do all the math in your head yourself. Well, that leads me to my final question for you. Isn't the greatest threat to privacy online or anywhere else public apathy to the issue? You know, this is actually this is a this is a pet peeve of mine. I don't think it's public apathy. I think it's I think we're getting gaslit. I mean, I think that people are we all day we hear, you know, oh, your privacy isn't that important. Oh, people don't care. But I don't want a future where if I don't read every single sentence in a 20 page privacy policy um, and I misunderstand it, then gotcha, it's all gone. This shouldn't be a gotcha environment. This should be an environment where we should be able to expect that the goods and services that we purchase um, provide a basic level of privacy, and if they and that that they present us with an agreement that we can understand. I don't think it's public ap- apathy. I think it's public confusion. I mean, I work in this stuff. I do it every day, and you wouldn't believe how few apps I have on my phone. And that's because I don't want to get gotcha. I would rather have more apps on my phone. I would rather use more of this technology. And if they were clear to me and I could trust them, I'd do it. Well, Rebecca Jeske, Media Relations Director and Digital Rights Analyst with the EFF, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, we do appreciate uh, Rebecca taking the time to talk to us. And uh, I, I thought that she raised some, uh, some, some great points. She did raise some great points. You know, yeah. the, people, the people who are nervous about the privacy issue here are not wrong. They're not wrong. You should be concerned about your privacy and about mm-hmm. what information is being collected about you. You absolutely should, and you should be aware of it. Uh, for me personally, and I speak for myself only, where Disney is concerned, as I mentioned in the interview, I want them. I want them to have information on me so that they can market me, to me special discounts. You, remember when... Uh, you know, when, when, the, when the postcards first started going out right. with the special codes, this was Disney knowing who you were, when you traveled, what your preferences were, and targeting certain parts of the country, certain demographics to offer these very specific offers. Can I, go, can I give you one more piece of information in that? Sure. We did an agent fam. Mm-hmm. where we went and we visited the central reservation offices and we asked them, you know, we have clients who get upset because so-and-so got a card and they didn't. They even go down to when you travel last, who's in your party, when you might want to travel again because of the time of year. So the, all this information gets right. put into a, 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 a mathematical formula. Exactly. And my point being that <clears throat> when people don't get the postcard, they're upset. Oh, yeah. They want the postcard. I want the postcard. I've never gotten a damn postcard. Okay? (laughs) Never. Never. Well, I think it's really funny that in our house, we're both annual pass holders. John's a DVC member. And I get the Mickey monitor and John doesn't. Oh, yeah. So mad. No, Walter gets the Mickey monitor and I don't. (laughs) I do have something else to say, though. I think this is a double-edged sword. I think people want that. But we've all heard those horror stories. Several years ago, mobile gas came out with this thing that hooked on your keychain mm-hmm. and you wove it you wove it you waved it in front <laughs> you wove it you wove it you waved it in front of the gas pump and you could fill your car well then what they realized is if you stood too close to the gas pump you were paying for other people's gas and then if you lost it 
everybody could get gas everywhere and it was your fault. We also have heard all of the horror stories about companies that are supposedly very secure, but 90,000 people had their credit card information and their ATM bank information released. So I think there's sort of this cloud over this that, yeah, we really want this to happen, but we really don't want anything bad to come with it. Well, it's funny that you mentioned this because this was actually going to be my rapid fire this week. Somebody pointed this out. There's a story on the boards right now. Um, regarding the RFID chips that are in the, in the cards. Um, if the cast member ringing you up does not hit a certain button at the end of the transaction, the next transaction they ring up goes onto your folio, and the next transaction they ring up goes onto your folio. Wow. If I, they don't hit, I think it's clear folio. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a button that they have to hit called clear folio, in order for that transaction to it's it's I'm, I, I guarantee you within it, it, within seconds this is going to be fixed, but this is, goes to exactly what you're talking about. That there you know with more technology can come unforeseen problems. Mm. Um, we also and have the, and, um, the, and the and the the issue with things like this is not you know, Disney trying to, you know, be the evil corporation, it's a lack of imagination. You have to imagine what problems are going to come up before you can address them when you release something. A lot of times you release them. Believe me, I know. You release something, you think you've thought of everything, and then, like, within 10 seconds, somebody points out, well, you, what about this? This isn't working. That's a, like, oh, my God, how did we miss that? It happens with anything new. And and so there will be bumps and hiccups with this, no, no doubt. But... I I personally don't have an issue. Disney has never done anything, and I watch pretty closely. Disney's never done anything with information that I thought, wow, you're really crossing the line. I don't think they've ever done anything intentionally. But we've all watched Disney websites. And or they're not really doing stuff that you know, and websites have been around a while. This is new technology and we're waiting for them to come out and say, Okay, it's all ready. Well that's my that's been my caveat all along. If this works Disney, the way it should work, it's going to be fantastic. But well, I'll we tell you what. I'll tell you what. When you're Bob Iger, and you send a letter, no, yeah. to, written like that, to a United States congressman, likely soon to be a United States senator, guy's been Congress for 37 years. You send a letter like that, you better get it right. Well, is that- because if you screw up, <laughs> the first story. That something happens with this, that letter is going right. to come back to haunt you. They're going to engrave it on your headstone, Bob. But don't you think that Bob Iger had to come out that way, whether that was the right way to do it as the head of a corporation? But if he would have just come out and said, oh, we sent this letter to, to Congress, don't you think there would have been a lot of angry people? He needed to come out and be angry Like, how how dare you question me? Well, you know what? First of all, the United States Congress has the right. Oh, yes, they do. To question. They do. Um, Now, it's the questions the United States Congress asks that I have a problem with. Right. But they have the right to question. Um, And, you know, look, in in, in fairness to Congressman Markey, he's not a newcomer to this issue. He's been he's been involved in children's online privacy for many years now. This is, you know, this this is one of his things now. By contrast, let's take a look at the date <clears throat> that Congressman Markey's letter was released. It happened to be the exact same day that John Kerry went before the Senate Judiciary Committee, I think it was, uh, 
to start the confirmation process for him to become Secretary of State. And just so happens that Congressman Markey is planning to run to fill that vacancy in John Kerry's Senate seat. So while I think the questions are okay, I agree with Bob Iger. I think he should have done more research. Um, And I think the timing on the release Mm -hmm. of the letter is more than a bit suspicious. It's grandstanding. It's grandstanding because you're going to run for Senate. I also think it's one of those things that now this puts Senator Markey or Congressman Markey in every Google search. Yeah. It's like if you're trying to sell cufflinks on eBay and you put Disney cufflinks. It's going to be 40 million people more were going to look at your cufflinks than if you just put cufflinks. Right. So I think um, Congressman Markey just got his name in every Disney news story. And I think Bob Iger's response also speaks to the climate of the country. You know, Senate and Congress's approvals at an all-time low. People are not happy with the job yeah. they're doing. And I think Bob Iger's kind of stepped up and said, listen, you know what? Here's the deal. Well, I also I- think on a larger scale, it it shows the way conversations happen in this country. No one has a conversation anymore. It's an accusation and then yeah. a response. Usually an email. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then it's a nasty response. And you think to yourself, well, the original letter was kind of accusatory. Well, right, and the original letter was accusatory because he was grandstanding so he could run for Senate. And did no research. But, you know, look, again, if you're in Massachusetts, in the congressman's district, I'm not trashing the congressman. I realize he's very popular. Uh, this guy has had, I think I read that he's had eight, uh, eight elections where there was no challenger. Wow. And the worst, the, the, the lowest margin of victory he ever had was 62%. So he's obviously very popular in his district. And I'm not saying anything that he's a bad guy or anything. I'm just pointing out that the timing on this was a little suspect. And, yeah, he probably could have gotten more information. But I don't want to spend any more time on this because we have other news stories well, I to get to. I should this to the end. I need a nap. <laughs> I, think, I think we're going to hear more about this. I don't think this issue has gone away. But uh, all right, John, go ahead with your next story. We actually have more news stories, believe it or not. Our next news story, J.J. Abrams to direct Star Wars Episode 7. Last week, the Disney company confirmed J.J. Abrams will direct Star Wars Episode 7, the latest film in the iconic franchise, and the first since Disney bought Lucasfilm last October. Quote, J.J. is the perfect director to helm this, Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy said. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in a statement. In a statement. <laughs> now I think is too slow. <laughs> John and I are working off teleprompters for some of our... Uh, Beyond having such great instincts as a filmmaker, he has an intuitive understanding of the franchise. He understands the essence of the Star Wars experience and will bring that talent to create an unforgettable motion picture. End quote. Yeah, this is the speed your prompter should go if you've had a stroke. <laughs> so he's going to do Star Wars and Star Trek. Well, you know, what was funny was a couple of weeks ago when it was the rumor was being floated that he was going to direct Star Wars. He's like, no, you know, I'm, I'm really happy doing Star Trek and I love Star Wars, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm loyal to Star Trek. And then they just must have dropped like a boatload of money on his front lawn. He said, oh, okay, I'll do it. Now, if he can get the Lord of the Rings thing, he's got the entire Big Bang Theory audience wrapped up. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you something that, you know, look, not for nothing, J.J. Abrams is directing, it's going to be a good film. It's going to be a good film. I mean, he's, I love his stuff. What he did with the Star Trek franchise was nothing short of amazing. Is that was Super 8 also? No, that was Steven Spielberg. It might have been, yeah, it was. It was, was with Steven Spielberg, Spielberg yes. Yeah. It was a joint project with him. But, of course, you know, 
Lost, uh, the Lost t- television series. Was Alias. His. Alias was is his. Yeah, that Lost thing isn't a. That's not a good thing in my. Oh opinion. no, I yeah. loved. I was a I huge Lost fan. Okay, so now I don't have to ask who J.J. Abrams is. Oh, get out! Because I've seen so many people go, "Oh, it's," J-, and I'm like, "Okay, I probably should know this, but I don't." But now okay. that you explained you're, it, you're, you're fired uh, off the show. <laughs> Are you going to go see the new Star Wars movie? No I guess matter? so. Uh, well, I, honestly, anything J.J. Abrams directs is is fantastic. I well, think this he's, is one I think of, he's brilliant. I think this, he's the next Spielberg. This is one of those things that's so difficult for him because it's an iconic franchise. This is everyone has an idea of what it should do and how it should go, and if he doesn't do it, mm. no but, matter what he does, people you know, are not going to be. Here's happy. the thing: this is why he sticks to fantasy, science fiction. He's the audience. Yeah. He's the audience. He's a fan. And he's a fan. And he grew up with this stuff. And this stuff means something to him. So that's why he did such a great job with Star Trek. Even though it was funny with Star Trek, he wasn't really familiar with it when he started. I mean, he's a huge sci-fi fan, but he'd never gotten into Star Trek. He had to go back and kind of watch everything and then just kind of put his take on it. And that's why I think that had such a different feel. I think with Star Wars, you've got somebody who's a true blue Star Wars fan. And he's going to be aiming for that. That, that that feel and that 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 feel of what it was when it was first released. As to paraphrase Sheldon from Big Bang Theory, we'll let J.J. Abrams disappoint us in the order in which he chooses. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I think too, he he did something with Star Trek that was a, a brilliant idea, and that he kind of rebooted the series in a completely different fashion. So it wasn't this sort of thing that they did for many years, which was they relied on the backstory and connecting to characters. So if he does that same thing with Star Wars, I think it'd be fascinating. And let's, I mean, let's face it, even those Star Wars movies I didn't like, I've seen a hundred times. Right. You know, how could you not see them? Just some other information about this. Uh, It was rumored that in addition to Abrams, uh, Argo director Ben Affleck was in running as a possible director for the new film, as well as Little Miss Sunshine uh, author Michael Arndt. So, I mean, uh, other people are in the running too, and you mentioned that uh, he wasn't, J.J. Abrams was originally denying this uh, in an article to Entertainment Weekly. So it's not as if it might not have been, you know, set in stone. I'm just, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled. I know Dustin, you know, a filmmaker, a Star Wars fan, you're, you're in hog heaven right now. Well, I know. I don't think anybody who's seen Super 8 can deny that it was very reminiscent of Close Encounters and that whole Steven Spielberg feel. And and obviously he's worked closely with him on um, some other projects. So I think if he, if he keeps that same feel that he has with Star Trek and with uh, Super 8 and then... I, I think he's the right person for the job. I, th- I don't think you should have found a better director. No, I really don't think so. Yeah, I think Ben Affleck as a director is fantastic. I don't think he should be directing Star Wars, though. No. Um, or the guy who did Little Miss Sunshine. Well, everyone in his movie will have to have a beard. Darth Vader will have a beard. <laughs> and they'll have be from South Boston. Um, but the uh, I think J.J. Abrams on this, I was really happy as a geek. The geek in me went nuts. I think J.J. Abrams on Star Wars, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Excellent. All right. And our last news story. This one's weird, so stick with me. Philip Glass is working on new opera based on Walt Disney. Philip Glass's new opera on the life of Walt Disney is titled The Perfect American and is a portrait of the entertainer, entertainment mogul based on Peter Stephen Junk's novel. And this will not make fans happy. Disney is portrayed as racist, 
despotic, a megalomaniac. And the PC is unable to process his phenomenal success because he knows the battle between man and empire can only have one winner. He creates one of the world's biggest brands and best-loved cinema characters, but fears both will outlive him. This is a harsh depiction, lacking in sympathy and empathy. The Disney company reportedly reportedly declined permission for Mickey Mouse and other characters to be used in the production. Well, there's a surprise, right? Well, they had asked him, uh, Disney had asked uh, Philip Glass for a copy of the libretto, and he refused. And, uh, you know... So, yeah. I don't think this is going to make a lot of difference in most people's lives. How many of you have heard Einstein on the beach or Nixon in China? Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned Einstein. Uh, Time magazine talked about, uh, had an article recently about this and uh, said, you know, Philip Glass's last opera was a uh, five hour plotless opera about Einstein on the beach. On the beach. So, well, and also, I mean, this is in Madrid's Teatro Real. So, but they're saying know, it's probably coming to, it's probably going to come to Los Angeles. It's going to be a double feature. Um, <laughs> this in the movie from Sundance <laughs> that no one will go see. According to Peter Aspen, who reviewed the opera, quote, it made for a curious couple of hours, full of energy and visual invention, but infuriatingly devoid of psychological insight. There are standout moments, a passage when Disney duets with an animatronic Abraham Lincoln who sputters into malfunction as he tries to put the case for liberal values as he tries to put the case for liberal values and it's entangled in a thorny political question and apparently there is a purple clad Andy Warhol at the beginning of the second act you're all getting tickets now aren't you (laughs) making improbable parallels between the artist and the animator so you know, it all just sounds extremely weird. It smells like a toilet in here. Oh my goodness, that was loud. <laughs> uh, we went from not being able to hear them to being deafened by them. <laughs> There's got to be middle ground. He goes on, Ed. There are technically clever revolving projections that <laughs> echo the confusion in the dying Disney's mind between dreams and reality and the use of improbable skills ensemble, I don't know what that is, that brings puppetry and mime, which everybody loves, oh my goodness. to the occasionally cluttered stage. Um, I believe in naps. <laughs> it's, you know, it just sounds really crazy. And, uh, you know, if you want to go see it, it's going to, let's see, for those who care, the Perfect American. Uh, it's a co-production between English National Opera and the Teatro Real Madrid, and opens on June first. So, if you yeah, want so to run to Madrid, run to Madrid for this, and and show. go watch, uh, go watch this. And a purple-clad Andy Warhol. No, uh, the only thing missing is Ethel Merman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ethel Merman comes out and does a number and for a no apparent of reason. Animals or something. Yeah, you know, for no apparent reason. <laughs> Um, My question is why. Well, you see, yeah. I understand. I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy to review something like this because I I don't like I don't like this kind of performance art. I don't. Uh, it just it's not. I've my actually thing. listened to parts of Einstein on the beach. Was it any good? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I understand as a composer, Philip Glass is you know quite you know quite legendary, and I've never liked any of his stuff personally. But I'm you know I'm not saying that it's good or bad. But I, I think you know again. 
I don't know. Just whatever. <laughs> Again, my question whatever. is my question is why? Why is this all of a sudden something that's opera worthy, Disney's life? I mean, it just seems like it's a very strange subject matter. Well, I'm sure if you asked him, there'd be some, there'd be some, you know, existential response to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there's, um, there's been there's precedent there. I mean, Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote a show about um, Ava Peron. So it's not that it's that unusual. An actual opera about Walt Disney's life, I bet that would appeal to a lot of us. It's when you start talking and, you know, Andy Warhol's going to show up. Yeah, and then I, there's going to be mime. And then the animatronic yeah. uh, Abraham it. Lincoln does a duet I'm with sorry, you. I'm sorry, the word mime should put us all in <laughs> yes. the frame of mind that, no, 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 no. Yeah. And clear so, of the doors. Yeah, really stand <laughs> clear of the doors. All right, well, that'll do it for the news. All right, thank you, John. Let's move on to Rapid Fire. And let's go to Kathy. Wow. Jeez, I didn't have to raise my hand. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> this is a woman who was talking about exercise before. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new interactive pirate game that's coming to Magic Kingdom. They're trying to make the parks more interactive. Um, it's a game called A Pirate's Adventure, Treasures of the Seven Seas. And it's going to open in Adventureland this spring. You're going to use pirate maps and go around the Magic Kingdom, and you're going to become members of Captain Jack's pirate crew. And there's going to be five different missions, such as searching for treasures of the seven seas and fighting off pirate enemies. And when you get to the kiosk, you're going to have to put your band against it and enter your address and what school you go to. And, and you what your security number. In. I love that they are doing more things like this. I thought Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom was a great idea. I think this is a great idea. I think it adds another level of entertainment to the parks for kids in particular and some adults uh, that I think is is awesome. I think it's it's really creative, and I think they should do more of it. I think that it takes some of the heat off of Sorcerers, too, because – I know, like last summer and even here into the fall, there was always long lines at the kiosks. Yeah. And if you wanted to play the game and you looked and you went, oh, no, I don't think so. So now they've got another game. You can spread the crowds out a little better. If you ever were uh, curious as to how popular these games are, sit in Epcot and watch them do Phineas and Ferb's Great Escape or whatever it is. (laughs) (laughs) Papillon or whatever it is that they're doing. (laughs) <laughs> Kids are enthralled. They're using that communicator. The parents are involved. I think it's a great idea. And these are the kids with the remains of the day lunchbox. My dinner with Andre action figures. My favorite movie of all time. Where did you pull Pappy on from? I don't know. Because I'm looking at Kathy trying to make her laugh, and it just. Well, no, that's making me think because you were saying that game. Well, she I wants to know where she can get her remains of the day lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went over because somebody posted a picture from the Agent P thing, and I'm going to screw the Doofenshmirtz. They have a beaker of lemonade. So it looks like a plastic beaker with lemonade inside that they charge eight ninety nine for. Isn't that an awful lot for a glass of I'm lemonade? I'm not sure I know what she's talking you about. You mean as at, where are they selling this? In the... Um, as you're coming around World Showcase by the store there, there's a couple um World Showcase stands. is a big place, honey. Can you get Grey Goose, Goose slushy in it? No, it's just lemonade. Oh. And there's like a, a cookie. It's all Agent P, Phineas and Ferb stuff branded. So I guess now it's going to be eight ninety nine. But the drink stand, as you're coming down the, 
the sidewalk and you make the right hand turn into the world showcase and there's the two towers stores right there oh yeah okay okay the first store food stand right there to the right where you used to be able to get the warm nuts yes okay. yes and they have agent p themed stuff and one is the the beaker there was a uh, cake pop and there was something else all overpriced but i have maybe never seen start it doing i don't know boxes. anything about it our friend Heather's in town, and she says you have to watch it. She says it's actually very clever. She says it's kind of like a modern Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoon, oh, okay. where it's for kids, but it's also, you know, has adult humor in it. Okay, thank you very much for that, Kathy. Kevin, I have two, and they're both rapid. They are going to sell Dole whips with spice drum and other specialty drinks at Flower and Garden this year. Mm-hmm. A dull whip with spice drum. Yes. You don't makes, have to bring your little airline chum with you anymore. You ma- can buy it. Makes, me, uh, makes, makes me upset that I quit drinking because I would have loved one of those. And the second thing is the ABD add-on for the Med Cruises and Alaska have been canceled. They wow. are no longer mm. available. Canceled because of lack of interest? I think because the prices were very high. And I think... Because of the reports, you had done a report on it that it included dog sled racing and helicopter dangling and all those other Which things. Which no longer are a part of it. They're no longer a part of it. Oh, so wow. I think people started pricing them out and found that they were a little yeah. highly priced. Yeah. Where we think most ABD trips are well worth the money and the experience, I guess people opted that. Well, these add-ons, these add-ons were as expensive as some regular ABD trips, right. and you weren't staying in a hotel, and in most cases, you weren't getting meals, and so that was some of the questions that came up. And yeah, when they when they took the helicopter, you, you know, one of the things they did on the Alaska trip that we talked about when we did it was a helicopter ride to a glacier where we then went dog sledding, which was amazing. And the next year, they cut it off. And the price didn't change. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's going to be problematic. So Disney Cruise Line and travel agents are contacting guests that have guests that have booked this and your money will be refunded because the add-ons have been canceled. They've also added or um, canceled some of the pre-cruise, pre-med cruise activities. I believe the one in Madrid. I'm not sure about that, but I know the add-on during the cruise has been canceled also. Wow. Too much. All right. Yeah, I think they just priced themselves out. And I, it's one of those things that we've talked about. How much entertainment do you actually need when you're in the med, on the med cruise? There, there's a fairly active itinerary. It's a lot of, it's port heavy. So I think it's one of those things that people, and they're expensive enough. So adding another couple thousand dollars per person is just, yeah, might be too much. That's another, yeah, it's another factor. All right. Thank you, Kevin. John. Uh, mine is that there's a new Walmart neighborhood market being built near Disney and they're looking for 90 workers. So if you need a job and you don't want to work for Disney, you, you can, can work go, near Disney. You can work near Disney at Walmart, be a greeter. Go to careers.walmart.com and you can see what positions they're uh, they're putting in they're, they're um, advertising for. Kathy, do you know where this is? Do you know no, I was going to ask you. If- I'm not sure exactly where this is because there's a neighbor. There's a Walmart on 535. Right. There's also one on Sand Lake Road, just a couple of minutes away. Yeah. So I assume that this is out by where that Flamingos Cove or. 
Crane's Landing. Oh, it's, or, it's right along, if you look at the map, it's right along uh, Hotel Plaza Boulevard on uh, Popkov Island. So it's very close to property. Wow. Let's take a ride down that way. Very, very close. So I wonder, I wonder what the prices are going to be like. You know, because uh, the closest one, the closest thing to, like, over by downtown Disney was Goodings for a long time. Well, there is the Winn-Dixie up a little further. Right, right, in Lake Buena Vista. Well, the Walmart that's there is is reasonable. The one that's on 535 now. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. people go there all the time, they get cases of water and stuff. It's not. Their gas prices are very low. <laughs> really good, also. too. So hopefully. But if you're looking for a job, you know, that could be an option. All right. Thank you, John. Dustin, do you have one? Uh, I don't. I'm sorry. You don't. Lazy, lazy, lazy. <laughs> But uh, no, poor Dustin was running around like crazy today, getting everything set up. So we'll we'll forgive you. Like I said, mine was about uh, being being mindful of the RFID chips, making sure that they're clearing the folio when you're done with your transaction because you don't want to be paying for everybody who comes after you. So, all right, that will do it for this episode of the Diz Unplugged. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with you again next time with another episode of The Biz Unplugged. Have a good one. And remember, stay out of the damn lakes.